Hi, everyone. Um, I hope you're staying safe, keeping healthy, um, not going too stir crazy in isolation. I hope uh, all your friends and family well. Um, yeah, so we're back. Episode five, I think now. This one's with Sam Seton, uh, a songwriter from from New York, from Brooklyn. Um, I, I've known about Sam's music for a while and I met him, I think, last year out in New York. Uh, he's a really nice guy and um, he, he's he got, got a kind of great taste in music. He's a great songwriter. Um, and I thought this would be a bit informative, a, a casual chat and, and maybe serve as a nice distraction piece of escapism for you. Um, he's He's got a new single out. Um, which you should listen to now, uh, or not now. Listen to this first, and then listen, to, <laughs> then listen to his new single. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's Sam. Hello, hey Sam. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, considering the circumstances, doing doing as well as I can be. You know, as good as can be. Yeah, yeah exactly. It feels like not that long ago um that i was in new york and then i well i saw you i came and saw you yeah. and then came back kind of had a had a few months went to la and then came back and then suddenly it's like you know the world has had to stop yeah it's crazy. It's, it's really insane um i don't even i don't even know what to say it's just it's crazy just like snap of the fingers and everything changed it, it wasn't like a slow burn or anything like that just everything stopped you know yeah very sudden yeah very sudden um what have you been doing to kind of distract yourself um that's a that's a good question so i do um i actually just started i'm not sure if i told you this before but i, I started a, a new day job um around three or four months ago so I've been doing that to, you know, that keeps me busy during the day. You know, I wasn't laid off or anything like that. So uh, I've been keeping busy with that. And, you know, in terms of music, I've just been working on some stuff behind the scenes with singles that I have, um, like something that just released this week. I've been working on for the past couple of weeks and getting everything in order. And I've also been producing a lot by myself. So that's uh, it's keeping me pretty busy. Nice. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean... The production stuff get really kind of keeps you um keeps you locked in you know yeah i mean you could i mean you know yourself you could get lost for hours i mean like no one wants to be um stuck inside all day but if there are people that can handle it it's people who <laughs> produce and, and create art you know <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah. okay so first question um tell us a secret that listeners might not find out if they weren't listening today so um, that's actually a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind, it's something that, I mean, I don't really keep secrets in general, but it's something that I, I did keep a secret um, a couple of years ago when I first started doing music was that I have a pretty like intense uh, businessy type day job. Um, and that was true for probably the first three years of doing music. Um, and then I actually quit that job and um did music for a year uh full-time full-time artist over a year and now i'm back working again so i don't actively keep it a secret but it's definitely something that you wouldn't be able to find out without 
you know, talking to me directly or being in my close circle, you know? I think like, um, like some people, some people feel, feel like they have to fully completely commit, you know, to being an artist. And that's really difficult. It's really difficult for that to be your, the whole of your life. Like the only thing that you do, especially at the beginning and through when you're emerging, when it can't quite be basically a full-time job yet. Yeah, Um, 100%. I mean, I have this conversation with my artist friends all the time. There's so many different variables that can affect how you feel about your artistry or what you should be doing. Like if you're, uh, I I, I don't know, I don't want to get too deep into that, but that was definitely something I felt like I had to fully commit. Like I felt like I was uh, living a double life for the first three years when I was, you know, working a <clears throat> a day job in, in New York City and then leaving at 6.30 p.m. or something, changing into, you know, some musician looking type clothes, like cool clothes, and then going to the studio and pretending like my whole day didn't happen. But then, <laughs> like, seriously, you know, a lot of people do that, but because they're afraid of what other people are going to think. And I, I was... I was like that for the first couple of years, but now it's like when you become more confident about your artistry and knowing that like what you do all day doesn't define who you are as an artist. It's your work, you know, uh, your, <laughs> your, what you're creating that defines you, I guess. But, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it takes time I, to have that realization. I definitely found when I was kind of more it, like intensely doing an artist project, I found it really difficult at the beginning to, I found the opposite. I found it really difficult to separate my life, right? Right. Um, and so, like, I came up with an artist name that's not my real name. And I kind of separated that part of my life from the personal part of my life, which is, I, I guess it's, you know, it, it becomes difficult at a point when you're an artist to separate what, what is your personal life that you, that you want to keep for yourself and what is everything that you want to give to everyone, right? Because right. when you're write, when you're writing music, it has to be incredibly personal. Otherwise, it's no good. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, and 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 that's that. I found that difficult because I also knew that there was a whole part of my life that I didn't necessarily want to be a thing that everyone knew about. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> for me. I mean, my artist name is my real name. Um, I, I'm so personal in my music. It's like cringeworthy sometimes. I'm, <laughs> you know, literally including voice notes from people that I actually care about and I'm risking relationships and stuff like that. I'm so open in my music and in everything. I'm not hiding anything. But the first few years, I was embarrassed because I would be in the studio with people and they would make comments about, you know, somebody having a suit and tie type job or something. And I would be like, holy, like, holy shit, that's me. I just say now I can never tell them, you know, or I had an instance where I was coming home from work and um, I got off the, the bus in Manhattan and I bumped into an artist friend of mine and I was living in the Lower East Side next to all the venues and he was on his way to a show and I was wearing, you know, like whatever business attire, like slacks and like a shirt, not a suit and tie or anything. And then I was like, hey man, what's up? He's like, Hey man. And he's like, Oh my God, I didn't recognize you. You're in, um, because you're in civilian clothes. And I was like, Oh, haha. and that killed me, you know? Yeah. But then after a couple of years, not a couple of years, maybe six to eight months after that, I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Like, I don't know. I just got to be myself. But then I ended up quitting and 
I don't know. I took a whole, we could get into that later about my whole story <laughs> and trajectory, but you know, I did a whole 180 or 360, I guess now. <laughs> when you were, um, when you were, gr- when you were growing up, um, cause you've lived in New York your whole life, right? Yeah. Okay. So when you were growing up in, in a city like New York or, or London or other cities, global cities where you're always surrounded by art and culture and music um did you know from a young age immediately that you you were connecting to music and it's something that you wanted to become a big part of your life that's that's a great question the answer is no not not at all i mean i started and now i guess we could get in, into you know my story but i started playing guitar when i was 12 years old because Myself and two of my friends um, wanted to sort of, I guess we were copying my friend's older brother who was in a band and we, you know, met up in the lunchroom and we're like, hey, let's all play music together. You learn guitar, you learn drums and you learn bass. Um, And we did that. And then I I just became, you know, just a, I guess, I don't know how to say this eloquently, but I was just a normal kid playing music. And then I started writing when I was 14, 15. I started sharing my music. People were loving it. Or liking it and, and you know supporting me but I never never thought I would do this um, you know I never thought it would be a big part of my life I always had it as like a talent in my back pocket you know I'm a singer-songwriter or I have a good voice or something like that like that I just never I, I didn't make it you know more than 10% of what I was and <clears throat> what I was like if I met somebody new or something, I wouldn't mention, oh, like I'm a singer songwriter or something like that, maybe until I was 23 years old. And the reason I started telling you that story was because, you know, it has been a big part of my life without me realizing since I was 12 years old. So I think that's I think that's pretty similar. I have a kind of I have a, I have a similar story. And I I guess I was. I was always good at school and I went to university to do something that wasn't music, right? And um, I only really started making music. I I always had played an instrument throughout school, but I only really started to make music because I kind of, (laughs) this sounds so sad, but at school, like I didn't have many friends, right? And we had a lot of spare time because it was a boarding school. So I was stuck in my room the whole day with, with, not with no friends, but you know, if I wasn't like constantly hanging out with people and chatting or whatever, you know, like a teenage kid who is kind of into music a bit. I wasn't really the same as the other kids at that school, I guess. Um, and I started writing songs then. And then I, I went to university and I spent the rest of my student loan, whatever was left over, I spent on audio equipment and I started producing and stuff. But even then, even after I started producing, even after I started releasing and even after I started producing for other people, I still wouldn't refer to myself as a producer. Right. Right. I would, I I would say maybe in passing, I would say, Oh yeah. Also I, I, you know, I, I make some music and blah, blah, blah. But it wouldn't. But that's not how I would introduce myself. I wouldn't introduce myself as a musician or as a producer. And it wasn't until I moved to LA for two years <laughs> when I realized that 
Well, one, you don't actually really have to be a producer to introduce yourself as one. Hundred percent, right? Yeah. <laughs> but also, everyone, like everyone there, they're just what they don't care. They're just going to introduce themselves as whatever they feel like they need to at the time. And I started kind of gaining the confidence to introduce myself as a producer and as a songwriter. And it's only so recently has kind of dawned on me that. All, throughout from when I was 10, 11 years old, I was always playing music and I was playing an instrument and I was started writing songs when I was 14, 15. But it takes a lot of confidence to then categorize yourself as a musician, something that turns from a hobby into hopefully, if you want it to be, into what you do basically. And I think that for for a lot of musicians, that's the same. For a lot of songwriters, that's the same. There's there comes a point where you just kind of go, oh, I don't fucking care anymore. I'm just gonna tell you know, yeah, I'm just gonna tell everyone that I do this and not be embarrassed yeah. about it. I think it's either it's either one or the other. Everybody's either like you know on the side like we are just discussing about how like you have this imposter syndrome about not you know believing yourself or not wanting to feel like you don't want to put a label on it because you don't want people to maybe talk behind your back or I, I don't know but you're either on one side like that um not believing in yourself in the beginning or you're on the other side where it's like I'm telling everybody I'm an artist until it happens or I'm telling everybody I'm this you know that's what I think but everybody has their own journey and goes through their own you know process to figure it out definitely when you were when you were going through that process was there like um when you were a child, was there an, an album or something that that made you shift your focus from being a player and listener of music into being a writer of songs? That's that's a good question. I I don't know. I think I, I have this weird relationship with music where I, for, at first when I was 12 years old, I, I started playing with my friends and, and jamming in this band and we had like a pop punk, you know, cover band playing uh songs by bands like census fail or taking back sunday my chemical romance things like that and then when i was 14 i started to develop my own interests in music that were more singer songwriter focused like i was listening to jack johnson and john mayer and i stopped i stopped wanting to play other people's music i didn't think it made sense i liked listening to other people's music and then i liked creating my own because i had this sort of revelation where i i I started writing my own music and I was like, Hey, I sound pretty good. I mean, I didn't sound good. I was 14. I didn't know (laughs) what the fuck I was doing, but I was like, Hey, this sounds pretty good. And it's my own music. I think I'm going to run with this. And from then on, I I never really played other people's music. I I just wanted to create my own. There was never like a, I guess a moment where I was, or an album that I heard and I was like, Hey, I want to create my own music. Now I'm a songwriter. It was like this like evolution, I guess. But if I had to, point to one i guess album that really changed me i think it would be like john mayer heavier things that's when i started really you know listening to lyrics or looking focusing on the lyrics and being like whoa i relate to this or i can create something like this or yeah Do you feel like you're, I know, I, I know you kind of had a, 
or, or you've you've kind of explained that you had a slightly bumpy entry into the industry, into moving from I like writing songs and I I think they're becoming quite good to right now I'm going to try and make this a career basically I'm going to try and make money money from this um and did was that a difficult process for you or did it kind of it did it just one one of them just kind of bled into the other so I think to answer that question I have to go a little bit back and talk about I guess my journey to get to that point because like I said before uh, in this conversation I never really thought of this as a career or I never really thought I would do this um, full time or even be in the industry. I just never considered it. So if we take a step back um, all the way back to when I was like 14, I started writing my first songs. And this is a story I tell um, to people that I meet for the first time in the industry or if I'm in a meeting and I'm trying to have somebody get to know me and, and really get close to them. I always tell the story and I've never you know, told it publicly. So this is a, I feel like a, a great time to, to tell the story. It's not a crazy story. I make everything a story. I mean, we're both natural storytellers, you know, songwriters. Right. Yeah. But so when I was 14, I started writing music, uh, my own original music for the first time. And I loved it at the time. I was like, whoa, this is really cool. I want to share this with my friends. So at the time, um, do you remember iChat um, on, on like a Mac, like AIM? Sure, sure. Yeah. And so, we had a, we, we used MSN Messenger. Oh, uh, yeah. interesting. Okay. But so in, in iChat, you were able to drag a file to like your whole buddy list and they would just get a pop-up, like, like an instant message saying, you know, um, whatever my screen name was, I'm not going to say it here, but is trying to, <laughs> is trying to send you a, me- a file. Do you want to accept it? And you could say yes or no. If you said yes, you'd have the file like instantly and you'd be able to play it. Right. So I would record this music by myself at home when I was 14, 15, um, like three or four minute songs. And I would just send it to my whole buddy list, like people that was close to people. I wasn't close to girls, guys, everything. Um, and the next day at school, people would say, Oh, I, you know, I'd listen to it or something like that. And eventually it became pretty, pretty, I became like the music became a little like popular in high school. Like I was like a, a sophomore or a junior in high school, like second, third year. And people knew my music and they were saying like, Oh, we want another one or stuff like that. And I felt pretty good about myself until the point where um, the younger kids, like the guys started like teasing me or like singing my songs in the halls and stuff like that. And I got embarrassed. Like I was like, you know, I think my music is a treat. I'm sharing it with people. Like I, I don't need to be like made fun of like this. So I took all my music down from whatever it was on at the time, pure volume or other stuff. Like, so I, I, of course I graduated from, you know, dropping the files to people to uploading it onto the internet. I think it was my space and pure volume and people were listening to it and I, I felt good about it. And people knew me as the singer songwriter you know, in my yearbook, it said our very own John Mayer. Like I, I was becoming that guy. I felt cool about it. But then people started teasing me. So I was like, you know what, this is a treat. I'm going to take it down. And from that point on, from my junior year, or senior year in high school, all the way through my senior year in college, which is like four, five years later, I didn't share any of the music I was making. So, but the whole time I, I was making music and um, developing a sound. So fast forward, I know this is a long story, but I feel like it has to be told. This is the perfect place for it. So, um, um, you know, fast forward four years, I'm a senior in college. My last year, I just gone through, um, a pretty intense breakup with an ex, like my ex that I've been, I had been dating in college for two plus years. 
And I had all this free time in my hands because I already had a job lined up. Um, and I, I didn't care about my grades anymore because I already had a job lined up. So I started writing music every day. So the story goes, I would sign into my, I was a finance major. I would sign into my investments and finance classes, leave my little skateboard, um, outside my little penny board outside, um, the class. And then I would, you know, make it like I was going to the restroom. I would, um, so first I would sign into class then I would make it like I was going to the restroom. I would skateboard all through the halls to the fine arts building. And I would go downstairs in the fine arts building in, in my university. And I would, um, go to the piano rooms and I would write. And I did that. No way. Yeah. I did that multiple times a week for like, I don't know, six to eight weeks, like straight. And I had written these five songs and I was obsessed with them and I loved them. And one of those songs was Berlin, which actually became my first show. Sure. Yeah. But, um, so I wrote those songs. I ended up, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I wrote this one song about my ex. I said, I'm going to record this and I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to send it to her and she's going to come back to me or something like that. Um, so I did that. I recorded it in my bedroom in college with a, a roommate of mine who was actually a producer. Shout out Gavin. <laughs> and I sent this song out and this song was actually Stranger. It was an early iteration of my song Stranger. And I sent it to my ex and I said, here, I wrote this for you. I sent it to a couple of her friends and I posted it on SoundCloud. And again, just like in high school, um, it started like getting a little popular in, in <clears throat> school and I've, I felt confident again. And I, I love this new sound that I was developing. So I set out to record these four or five songs that I'd written. And like I said, one of those was Berlin. Um, fast forward, you know, got the girl back. Everything was all fine and dandy. And I graduated and I started work. And I forgot about the music. Um, I didn't forget about the music, but I, I pushed it aside because I really was only creating it again to sort of get my ex back and I guess get all these emotions off my chest. And then um, I was working this job in New York City, like a finance type job, shit job. And, um, and it wasn't a shit job. I shouldn't say that. It was a, it was a tough job, something I, I wasn't interested in anymore. And I started saying, you know, I have all this money saved up. I'm making money. I'm living at home. I'm going to put this towards music and I'm going to do it right for the first time. And I set out to record Berlin and I recorded Berlin. And then my manager, who was an acquaintance of mine, um, he not my manager anymore, wasn't my manager at the time, but he found my music on Facebook. I had posted a video of me playing a version of Berlin live and he reached out to me and that was sort of my, you know, entry into the industry. I know that was a long story. No, I love it. <clears throat> but I feel like it was necessary. So to get back to your question, you said it was like a little bit of a bumpy ride or whatever it was. Yeah. And the answer is yes. <clears throat> I never considered doing this, you know, or, or pursuing a, a record deal or anything like that until this manager again, shout out Joey, um, approached Joey. me. Yeah. I mean, you're familiar with Joey. So he, yeah, sure. he, he was an acquaintance of mine. We knew each other, you know, we were cool. I would see him out in New York and, you know, we would say hello to each other. And then, so naturally we were friends on Facebook and he heard this music and he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm an assistant at, at a record label. Um, I think you should come by the office. I want to show you some stuff. And I was like, Whoa, somebody at a record label is reaching out. This is so cool. And then he just pitched it to me. He was like, hey, man, I think what you're doing is really cool. I really like this song, um, Berlin, and I want to be your manager. And I think I could, you know, help you do some cool stuff. And I was totally enamored by that idea that I could be signed to a record label or play shows or have a ton of people listen to my music that aren't my friends and family. So that was my entry into, you know, the industry. So, okay, so Joey, 
he uh, he's he was the one that sent me your music right right and that and that's how i found out about you he sent me berlin right and that's when I, fe- I I was living in LA at the time, I think. And that's when I heard it. I found out about it. I really liked it. I mean, there was a lot of that kind of music, I guess, circulating at the time in terms of the sound and what 100%, it, yeah. the production and what it felt like and what it sounded like. Um, and it was very, I, I remember thinking at the time, you know, this is very kind of blog friendly music. You know, this is the kind of thing you could see exploding on on online and in in that kind of arena and i mean that effectively that is what ended up happening um for you with berlin um probably i i mean i guess you probably somewhat maybe didn't think that that was going to happen or you would you had hoped it was going to happen but weren't 100 percent sure yeah i mean that's totally totally accurate i mean look it you know it didn't necessarily blow up or anything like that (laughs) you know like um but it was my first single and i had put in so much work before that you know the months leading to the release i I would i was living on 28th and 2nd in in manhattan at the time and and joey was living only like 10 blocks and two avenues away and we would meet in the middle at the starbucks and we put in so much work on you know clearing all my old instagram and facebook photos and and making all these pages and leading up to the single and i remember telling him one time like if this gets you know, 10,000 plays, that's it. Like I'll be the happiest person in the world, you know? And then finally when it released, um, a handful of blogs picked it up. I mean, uh, you were doing PR for us, which, you know, I was, yeah. Yeah. That really helped us. Um, I got, that was actually one of my, it was one of my first proper PR accounts, you know? Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And look at us today. We're still, you know, four years later, still, um, I know, right. And yeah, this is great. But so we, you know, we put in a lot of work and, my first night to see when Berlin was out that, you know, a lot of my friends were sharing it on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. And then it got a Spotify playlist the first day it was out. I was on this fresh finds playlist. I was, you know, over the moon. I was, I was so happy in that. Yeah. It it was my intro into the industry and like it did way better than I would ever imagine. And I haven't looked back since, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I'd quite like to know a bit more about, I mean, like I said, that sound was very popular at the time. Um, and I've spoken to a couple of people who were making s- similar, similarish music around the same time, who had grown up around the same time right. as us, as in similar age, probably relatively similar listening habits. Um, like I talked to George, who's from Petrie, right? Who you My really like. band, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... A lot of his listening habits were the same as mine, probably the same as yours. But I'd, I would quite like to know what, when you were making that music, what sounds went into there? What were your inspirations kind yeah. of taking you in, into that writing process for those songs? So I would say the first, to answer the first part of your question, I guess it's like growing up, what was I listening to? I would say, you know, this the song Berlin and that sound. And to be clear, if, you know, all the listeners out there who, if you haven't heard the song at the time, it was like this indie R&B that was, you know, circulating, like you said, blog friendly music. It was like very smooth production, like cool synths and like just this indie R&B feel. So I think it was, it was a culminate, I guess like 
um, I don't know what the word is, but like a combination of me growing up listening to pop punk, like I mentioned before, like Census Fail, Taking Back Sunday, you know, people that had big choruses and strong verses and, and really use their vocals really well. And then graduating from that, listening to like British pop, like I've definitely shared this with you before. Like when I was in high school, I was so into, I guess, Brit pop or like the kooks or like, I guess, alternative rock now, like um, Arctic Monkeys and a lot of British music. Um, and then after that, graduating from that and towards the end of my time in high school, listening to like Frank Ocean um, and, you know, uh, other people like that. Um, that sound was a combination of all those things. So it's like, you know, the songwriting and the big choruses from that pop punk and the melodies from the pop punk, the R&B from Frank Ocean and the songwriting from Frank Ocean. And then I guess the likability of like the Brit pop and stuff like that. And then at the time when I was, I guess, releasing or producing Berlin and in the process of releasing it, I was listening to just whatever was popular at the time, like indie R&B and indie pop and stuff like that. I think um, I think Frank Ocean has a lot to answer for. You know, like, there's a lot of people making music now, um, releasing songs who are our age, which actually is the same age as basically as Frank Ocean, right? He's not that much older. Yeah. Um, but that that sound that he defined, kind of like a a genreless, just pure um, es- escape to melody. Um, I think that that that's how that indie r&b sound came out 100 yeah i mean he taught me oh, i just realized i didn't mention john mayer when i was talking about my influences <laughs> but he's my biggest influence but he frank ocean taught me that i didn't have to care about structure as much as i thought i had to right yeah and he also taught me i didn't have to care about rhyming as much as i thought i would or he also taught me how to write about things that you can like feel and taste like he would write i I can't remember any specific lyrics but he would talk about like fruit and colors and and describe things it's like it's sort of when you're reading a novel and there might be one instance like one small moment in in the novel but the author is describing it with crazy detail you know so he taught me that as a songwriter you can do that like whether it's talking about uh, like a grapefruit or candy colored this or like I don't know I I started to use that a lot in my music yeah like you don't you don't have to be just completely broad you know it doesn't have to be the most accessible broad thing that you can think about in terms of concept if you get a little bit specific and a little give a little bit of detail maybe that no one else has experienced the punctuation of that experience is what gives it the meaning and yeah. what causes people Ex- to think oh exactly you know yeah. what's actually a perfect example of this? this is something else again i haven't told a lot of people it's a small little you know tidbit um when i was writing berlin i wrote it um the lyrics are i took the color from your skin when i told you i was leaving from berlin and it's because there was a story of when i was with my ex in berlin and we got into a fight and i was studying in czech republic at the time and i told her that's it i'm done like i, I don't want to stay here with you anymore i'm leaving to berlin i mean i'm i'm leaving from berlin i'm getting out of here and when i was recording it uh, with the producer he told me not a lot of people are going to relate to that. Like no one has a story where they were, you know, getting out of Berlin and Berlin is actually like a a cool trendy place right now. So I think you should say I'm leaving to Berlin. 
and I was, and I was like very against it. And he was like, dude, like I've been in this industry. I've been doing this for a while. Like, trust me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust this guy. It's my first song. Like he's a, he's an experienced producer. I'm going to change the lyric. And I, I regretted it ever since, you know, it doesn't matter now, but so that, that's an example. It's like, I don't. And ever since then, I haven't, when I was writing music, I haven't thought, oh, like, I hope people are going to relate to this. Like, even though it's so specific, like maybe I should change it to make it more broad. But getting back to what we were saying, Frank Ocean and other people, you know, have taught me, like you write about your own experiences, people will find a way to interpret it and, and relate to it. You don't have to sort of write for them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. is your writing process if you're kind of sitting down and you're thinking i know it's probably different song to song but if you're thinking i'm gonna write a new song now how does that how does that happen yeah i mean there's a few there's a few different ways but i'd say for the most part it's like i'm feeling some sort of weight on my shoulders or something i want to get off my chest and I, i pick up a guitar or a keyboard and I find some sort of chord progression that I really like. And I just sort of like, I don't know, mumble things and just like create a melody. And then whatever comes out, comes out. And then I sort of look at what I have down in my notepad, in my phone, <laughs> my notes. And I say, okay, I think what I was trying to get off my chest is this. Let's write a song about this. And then I'll really dive in and um, I guess massage it into a song. Other times it's like, you know, I'll be walking around the city or something like that and I'll think of something or I'll see something or a melody will come to my head and I'll record it in my voice memos and then I'll come back to my my bedroom, my apartment or whatever it is and then create from there. So it's a lot of different ways, um, but mostly it just comes from, you know, picking up a guitar or keyboard and, and creating a melody. Yeah, yeah. I guess you can you can kind of tell that your, that your music is shaped by by melody first um there's always a, a kind of build to the i feel like there's always kind of a build to the chorus um in your stuff and i guess that probably comes out of that the pop punk that you used to listen to for sure um but y- you can definitely tell that that you're starting with melody and i i, I had latir on last week and he was telling me that usually he he'll start he he would start with the lyrics because he before he was a songwriter he would he would write poetry right and that's something that's alien to me because like you I'd I'd start with a melody um yeah same here yeah yeah so that's quite interesting i mean um, yeah there's there's other examples of like for example my song santiago i i had always promised you know um this x i'm going to write a song about our story you know it's too good of a story to just you know exist between us i'm gonna write a song about it so when i was going through a time where i wasn't as inspired as i always am i sat down and i was like i'm gonna write a song about my experience what happened in santiago and then i would have that in mind and you know put my hands on the keyboard and and see what comes out but uh yeah it varies can you tell me a bit about any kind of a a specific challenge or barrier you faced when you became 
a, a, a songwriter and an artist in the industry? You know, was there a particular challenge that you faced when you entered the industry that you felt that you wouldn't overcome? And then maybe tell me a bit about how you ended up overcoming that obstacle. Yeah, I mean, I haven't faced too many challenges, I would say, in the industry per se. Um, I think the one thing that comes to mind is um, with building my team and how my team has sort of like fell apart a couple of times. Um, For example, you know, I had worked with Joey for, I think it's like, it was like three years. And then he decided he, you know, he wanted to get out of the music industry and he had a conversation with me. And after that conversation, I was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to navigate this industry on my own? How am I going to send these emails from this manage, manager <laughs> email account? I'm not going to be able to do it. How am I going to set up my own shows? And, you know, eventually I got my shit together and, and I started doing it. And then I had met another manager <clears throat> who helped me out for, I think it was like a little over a year. Um, and he just, you know, pretty much ghosted me after a year of working with me. Um, so that, that's another challenge. So just, you know, I guess getting over the the mountain or like the burden, I guess, mountain of like being able to tackle things on your own. Um, and now I, I pretty much do everything on my own, um, which is pretty cool. You know, I'm setting up my own shows and designing my own artwork and producing my own music and, and it feels amazing. Um, another, another challenge I would say is just like staying true to yourself. You know, like I, I've been people have tried to throw me in rooms to write with other people or write for other people, even though I've expressed that I, I, do, I don't want to, and it's not, you know, my MO and it's not what I want to do. I guess that's another challenge, just sticking and staying true to yourself. Um, yeah, I probably should have started with that. That's actually a bigger challenge. <laughs> we could talk about that for days, but I, you know, I feel good about it. I, I've stayed so true to myself. I'm very happy with where I'm at right now with my artistry. That's great. I mean, for me, you know, I started the same as, as, as you, well, where you are now, where not actually the same as you, you know, I had, I had managers for whatever reason, it didn't quite work out, but it wasn't a bad experience. It was just, you know, like your experience with a manager is the most intense of relationships and 100%, yeah. sometimes it just doesn't, for whatever reason, it can be good for a, a sustained period of time and then just suddenly fall apart and you know, that happened with me. And then I, I started doing everything myself. And that's how I kind of got into doing PR and running the music blog and all this other stuff. Um, and at the beginning, I was very reluctant to write with other people or to produce for other people, because I felt like I wanted to completely define my sound and my songs and I, I really did feel uncomfortable being in, in sharing that experience with someone else. Right. Um, but, but that's pretty much the only way I write now, which is yeah, interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I, I warmed up to it. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, like you, I, I, I warmed up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I warmed up to it. But in the end, you know, I, I've been doing this for like five years. And still now, I don't, my music is just... Uh, it's something I want to keep within like, like the creation process, just myself. Like, I don't, 
I don't enjoy, and this is only for my own music. Like I don't, I don't enjoy, and this is just me. You know, people are different. I don't enjoy writing with other people. I don't enjoy collaborating with other people. Um, it's just something. My music is just so personal. You know, I don't want anyone to have a say in any of the words that I write and what I'm putting out into the world. Not to say it's not genuine if you're writing with other people or collaborating, because some, like, I mean. Almost every incredible song, especially the ones that are on the radio, have come, you know, from a room of people writing it, and it's like amazing. And there's no better feeling than it's kind of like going to like a shrink, you know, you go into yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you go yeah, into yeah. the room with these writers, and they're like, "What's going on in your life? Like, what can we write about?" And it's beautiful, it's amazing. But for me, it's, it's ama- I mean, it's amazing yeah. when it comes together. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of times where I've written and it hasn't come together, and that, that's not been because of a lack of. Uh, experience or lack of talent for either party but writing writing a song together is incredibly difficult and it often takes just four hours of chatting to feel comfortable enough with each other to share the most personal parts of your life um yeah but yeah I mean it is do you do a lot of your own production now is that something you're starting to do more more of yeah 100 I mean up until now Every single song that is out, including the one that came out this week, uh, which is called I Never Lie to You, has been um, produced by somebody else. I mean, you know, I, I write everything and I compose it, but then I work with somebody else um, to make it whole. But from now on, I'm hoping to release only music that I've produced myself. And only when I have a really special one that I think I can't tackle myself, <laughs> I'll you know, <clears throat> call a producer to work uh, with them on it. But right now, yeah, my next two singles are going to be solely produced by me. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's exciting. I haven't, that's amazing. I haven't told anyone that, but I, I can't wait to release them because I produced them myself and I'm still in shock when I listen to them. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> How did I, I do believe. that? Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I have people helping me out though in terms of mixing, you know, like right, right, mixing yeah. is a whole... That's just another thing. Yeah, it's a whole another thing out there. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Ronnie and Yanni for mixing all nice. this stuff and making nice. it sound amazing. But yeah. Amazing. Um, is, is there, I guess these two questions are relatively similar questions and you can answer whichever you want or you can answer both. The first question is, what would you change about the industry? And the second question is, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, I guess what, what would you change about the industry is, is a very broad question and it's, it's quite difficult to answer. Um, Um, I mean, it's, it's a great question. It's a tough one for me to answer because I, it's, my brain isn't wired that way. Like I don't, you know, like, but what would I change? I don't know. I guess I would change. I would want the industry to give opportunity to more um, people that aren't proven yet. I feel like the industry has gotten to a point where you have to prove something, whether it's that you can get, you know, over a hundred people in a room in multiple cities or that you can get a lot of streams and and your music quote unquote works or something like that. I guess it would be cool if they would give um, more opportunities to people that are not proven. And it's not to say they don't right now. And I don't know shit about the industry. I'm not really in it right now or, that's something that comes to mind though and for your second there's yeah there's definitely let there's definitely less development deals than there were before a hundred percent yeah and i think that's because 
most of the money right now comes from streaming. I mean, streaming makes up about 60% of the of the, the revenue of the whole music industry, right? Right. So imagine that 60% of all the music industry's revenue is streaming. And in that situation, if a record label is going to put money on the table, I guess they want to know that you're going to stream, right? And yeah. I don't know. But then, but then you know, you to like, for, you like, give someone a, a, you know, you give some someone who you think is a sure bet, a push, right. and it doesn't happen, and you can give someone who you've, who who's never released a song before, and and you've got no idea how successful they're going to be, and they blow it out the water. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't even know. I just. I'm so far removed from that now. You know, there was definitely a point last year where I was meeting with a ton of labels and and publishers and stuff like that but i'm so far removed from it now that i don't even know <laughs> all i know is that i want to create good music and connect with you know the fans i have and, and build that fan base and and keep consistently releasing music that's all i've been thinking about for like the past year so uh, i wish i could have a better answer for what i would change but like i don't want to speak on something that like i'm not you know so well versed on but i do have a an answer for your second question which is what would i tell my younger self and obviously we could probably have a whole podcast on this question alone but (laughs) but i would just tell myself to to um probably two things one start a little earlier um you know i only started really releasing music um when i was 23 and you know it it takes time to develop a sound or really develop your songwriting chops but i would still I, i wish i had started a bit earlier um, and putting my my music out there because now I'm so open about my art and I'm so quick to put anything out there in the world. But I wasn't like that in my in my teens or my early 20s. So I would tell myself to start earlier. And I would probably just tell myself, I would go back to when I was 14 and tell myself, you are an artist, you know, um, and you are creative and not a ton of people have um, what you have. So you should be confident and just keep doing what you're doing. That's what I would say. Because I, I didn't believe myself to be an artist until I was like 24, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's crazy hearing me say that out loud because now I'm so confident about that. But it's so true. I, I just didn't consider myself an artist. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, neither did I. And I think that it's difficult to get yourself. You know, I think when you're at school, you get told a lot what you are and what you're going to be. And I guess a lot of that then is reinforced by your parents and your friends and the situation in which you grow up and what you should be doing, what you feel like you should be doing. Um, I think for most people when they're growing up, songwriting is not something maybe that their parents (laughs) encourage as a career. At least my, at least mine didn't. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say mine didn't. I mean, they're very supportive and they have always been very supportive. Same here. Yeah. It's, it's not, I don't think it's the safe choice. Right. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's, and I'm sure a lot of people out there can relate to this. Like I didn't share what I was doing in my bedroom, you know, writing music. I didn't share that with my parents. They didn't hear any of my music until I was like in my twenties and it was out in the world and they were like, Oh, this is really good. You know, I I'd imagine a lot of people out there writing and, and doing whatever they're doing in their room at night, uh, you know, writing in their notebooks and stuff like that. You're not actively sharing that with your parents. I, I don't know. Everybody's different, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation because you, you don't see, you don't see a lot of that. Um, 
support early on. You don't have people telling you like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can be an artist. You can be this and that. Yeah. It's mostly like scaring you into thinking like, you know, you have to get a job because you need to support yourself and a family in the future. So get going. <laughs> sure. And and to be, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think for a lot of people, maybe they, they don't have the, for a lot of families, maybe they, there isn't the luxury of, being able to pursue being an artist for like four years, right? Yeah. You know, 100%. I think it's quite a fortunate position to be in when you have a long enough leash that you can run at that for a while and not, not worry about, re- not really worry about your security, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always say this, again, this is like another deeper conversation, but I always say everybody... Not everybody has a safety net, but there are a lot of people out there that have, you know, I guess, bigger safety nets than others. And what I mean by like a safety net is that it could just be that you're going to have somebody, you know, to love you unconditionally or something like that. But also a safety net could be um, your parents are wealthy. So you might have like 10 years before they come knocking on your door and saying, hey, you need to get your life together. You need to make your own money. And I'm not, we're not going to support you anymore. But everybody has like a a different sort of safety net. And unfortunately, like that determines, you know, sometimes for a lot of people, whether they pursue the arts or not. But yeah, I I, think you're right. Like you're right there. For example, what I said about going back to my younger self and saying start earlier, like it's easier to say that now, but realistically the reason I started late was because, you know, I had to go to a you know public university and work my ass off and secure a job and then work for a year and live at home until I had the means to support myself and give myself a little bit of that leash. And the only reason I was able to quit my job and pursue music finally when I was like 24, 25, 26 was because I had you know, sacrifice so many things that my friends were doing, like, you know, having an apartment in New York City, and I was living at home so I can work and save money. um, And then be able to give myself that leash. But I already forgot what we were talking about, really, or what the the point was. But it's tough that, you know, not not everybody has, I guess, the means or the support to be able to do that. Because pursuing the arts is, you know, it's tough. That's a good long chat. I've got two very straightforward questions here. For sure. Um, the first one is, what's your favorite venue? It can be in the city you live in. It doesn't have to be. It usually is, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, my favorite venue is Bowery Ballroom. And I nice. I played a sold out show there. So my, you know, my life is made. I feel great. <laughs> it's, it's a venue that I've seen so many of my favorite artists growing up at. <clears throat> it's a venue I was like, sneaking into before i was i guess 21 and stuff like that um so it was uh it's my favorite venue in new york it's my favorite venue in the world it's like the perfect amount of people like capacity i think it's like under 500 or something it's just yeah i love it amazing and uh the second one is artists to keep an eye on you know is is there anyone that you think people should be should be listening to right now or or keeping an eye on watching out for Wow, that's actually a great question. I'm pulling up my Spotify right now to check. (laughs) 
I mean, um, if you know me, I'm, you know, always listening to new music and always trying to yeah. find uh, undiscovered people. I mean, number one is Petrie for sure. I mean, we, we talked about them before. They're friends of yours. And I guess now they're Instagram friends of mine. Um, <laughs> they're one of my favorite bands. I have a producer friend named Jack LeBose who's incredible and uh, like... I mean, he doesn't have a ton of stuff out right now, but I, I know. Yeah. I mean, he does, but he's definitely someone to look out for. I'm trying to think of other artists that I can, you know, share. I have a lot of artist friends, uh, you know, that, sure. that I love their music and people haven't necessarily discovered them yet, but it would take too long if I would name them all. <laughs> um, ah, I don't know. I've been, I don't know. It's a tough question. Give me one more. Who who have you been listening to a lot of who's emerging? I've been listening to a lot of Brent Fayez, like the okay, R and B yeah, artist. Sure. I mean, he's definitely he's emerged already. Um, I've been listening to an Israeli artist named Atar Minor, who okay. I'm obsessed with. Like I gotta send you some stuff after after we get off <laughs> this. Um I've been listening to who else? been listening to you know julian la madrid he's actually yeah. a friend of mine now artist friend of mine who else been listening to versace versace with a z he's an awesome artist um i don't know i guess that's pretty much it yeah that's good that's a good list um, yeah. we'll make a little like spotify playlist after this oh for Collabor- sure collaborative spotify playlist <laughs> um okay right now we now we're at flash quiz time And I haven't given you these questions. So this is kind of, I mean, we did it last week with Latir. And like I told you, he's like a poet and he runs a poetry club. And I asked him melody or lyrics and he said melody. (laughs) And then he immediately regretted it. Um, Okay. So this just, I'm going to go fast and you just have to answer. For sure. Okay. First one, New York or LA? New York, not a question. (laughs) Fuck LA. <laughs> Fuck LA. I just want to say it on a podcast. Like New York all the way. Nice. Um, Brooklyn or Manhattan? Manhattan. Sorry, Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn, but um, I, I love the city. I wasn't expecting that, you know. Yeah. I was, I was expecting you to say Brooklyn. Nah, I mean, I love Brooklyn. Like, don't get me wrong. It's so diverse. It's a place I grew up in. Like, so much grit, but I love the chaos of Manhattan. So Right. Um, melody or lyrics? melody actually no nah, they're equal in my they're eyes equal. i don't okay. know if that's if that's uh if i, could I mean that. it's a bit of a cop-out but we'll, it is we'll, but... Let you, <laughs> we'll let you have that one um writing or playing live writing nice okay i mean i love playing live but i don't know if a lot of other artists have the same feelings but it's so taxing there's so much yeah. that goes into it rehearsing yeah. and it's incredible when you're actually doing it but uh it's so taxing but yeah writing Taylor Swift or Kanye West? Wow. Uh, I don't listen to either of them. I respect both of them immensely. Um, <laughs> I'd probably say Kanye West because of um, the, you know, the other things he, I guess, has his hands and feet in or hands in um, besides music, like designing and, and his brand and stuff like that. I don't support yeah. like what he did to Taylor Swift or any of that stuff. Uh, sure. Kanye sure. West, I would say. Okay. Um, McCartney or Lennon? Oh my God, that's so tough, but I would lean towards Lennon. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. You know, I really, I, I think this is a uh, UK-US thing because I think a lot of Americans lean towards Lennon. Interesting. And a, a lot of British people would say McCartney. Very interesting. John Lennon lived in New York for a while there, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I mean, so, I'm not like a huge Beatles head. Like, I don't no, know all sure, the history sure, and stuff, but sure. uh, yeah. Okay, two more. Uh, Knicks or Nets? I'm a Nets fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Nets fan. It has nothing to do with Brooklyn. Like, you know, I'm a Nets fan because my dad was a, a Long Island Nets fan when they were playing. That must that must be such a happy accident for you. Yeah, I guess so. Like when they were coming to Brooklyn, it was like, whoa, they're going to be a 15-minute subway ride away from where right. I live. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, Nets over Knicks. They both suck right now, but Nets have a better future, have oh, a better near future Nets, for sure. Nets have a great near future. Yeah, okay. 100%. And they have the nicest kits, I think. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Black and white. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Okay. Last one. Uh, pizza or pastrami? Pizza, no doubt. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really, I mean, look, I'm Jewish. Uh, I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> Deli, you know, meat is a classic Jewish staple, um, but pizza all the way i don't really eat red meat so much when i was in um when i was in new york i didn't realize what i did but i didn't realize that you could like go into a bodega at like 4 a.m and get (laughs) get a disgusting meal yeah of course which is that's a new york staple right there getting like a bacon egg and cheese at any (laughs) night morning whatever you want to call it like yeah that's why i love manhattan you know Amazing. Yeah. Um, anything? Do you have anything to plug? <sighs> you can be shameless. I, I mean, yeah, I'll be shameless. My new single, I Never Lied to You, uh, is out right now everywhere. So listen to it, share it. Um, my album, My Dream Girl is My Ex Now, is out. And I put so much work uh, and time into that. And I'm so proud of it. So go listen to that and dive into all my music. That would be really cool. And I don't know, you know, DM me on Instagram. At- <laughs> <laughs> is that is that you trying to find a new partner? <laughs> oh no, I just meant like you know, fans and friends. I didn't, I didn't mean. I mean, females too. Why not? But uh, but I meant like just to you know talk or tell me that Chats. you know you've listened to my music or if you listen to this, like that would be cool. But, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Thanks for having me. This was amazing. This was really cool. I've always wanted to be on a podcast, and now I could check that off my list. So that's that's off the list alongside selling out the Bowery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yeah>. Life made. <laughs> and and we'll have to do like a one with George from Petrie as well. I All can't. I can't wait to meet him in person. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be good friends. You know. <laughs> I think so. You guys have a lot in common. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Amazing. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers, man.